This episode is brought to you by ABC. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. Andy finally becomes captain, and she's going to give it her all to be the best leader this station has ever seen. Will she succeed? Get ready for fiery new romances and high adrenaline rescues. Watch the Station 19 season premiere tonight at a new time, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Welcome to the 5 o'clock show. It's time for Common Sense. Now, it's Cats and Cosby with John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. Standing for truth, justice, and the American way. Bringing common sense to the world. Now, here's John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. Well, we're back. It is Wednesday, halfway through the week. And boy, what a week it's been. I mean, uh, it's, it's been crazy. And uh, in the studio with us, we have uh, Congressman Peter King, a common sense Republican, and we have uh, Judge Richard Weinberg, a common sense Democrat, and Curtis, I don't know what Curtis is. <laughs> we got Curtis here to find out what happens, what is going on in the streets of New York, and I understand there was an election last night, and the Democrats won, the Republicans lost, but it was only 4,500 votes. Now, I'm going to ask you a question. Yeah. Democrat won. Yeah. Is that any indication what's going to happen on November for the uh, election of 51 city council seats? Well, if the Republicans continue to forget the Asian vote, which is now a Republican vote, yes, that will happen. This was clearly a case where you had two Jewish rabbis, one Democrat, one Republican, running against one another. When that happens, the Jewish community is going to vote for the Democratic rabbi. 30% of the area is Asian. Nobody did a mailer. The Democrats brought in Congressman Meng, brought in John Liu, the the big heavy guns. I said, I'll go in there. I won the Asian vote. Now we don't need your help. Wow. You lost by 10%. 10% of 4,500 votes. Let's get it done. It's only 400 votes. That's right. That's the 400 votes is, how do you say, uh, how do you say it in uh, in Brooklyn? Bupkis. Exactly. But, John, I was at Ben's Deli. Filled with Asian Republicans, they were fired up. Uh, all they needed was the orders from Queens County GOP to hit the streets with Curtis Slewa. The orders never came. We were we were retired to our me, barracks. Did, they, did somebody tell me? I think Rob Cole told me that that they they didn't want you out there. Twelve times I called the candidate, Rabbi Hirsch. Twelve times I was introduced to Mister Click and put on the shelf. Why? What? The, what's the reason? Well, Why would they not? Who's running the campaigns yeah. now oh. in, in, in Queens? Oh. I have no idea. John no Haggerty. John Haggerty, a guy who went to prison for political corruption, stole a million dollars from Michael Bloomberg. What the hell is he doing running campaigns? Right? He, 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 he needs to run his life so he can stay out of jail again. He knows nothing about street politics. He needs to stay out of it. Let's go. Let's talk about the migrants. Migrant situation. Give us an update real fast. Oh, another co-sponsored rally. Sid Rosenberg, Curtis Lee, we're hosting it tomorrow night, 7 o'clock, the entrance to Floyd Bennett Field. Democrats and Republicans are united in stopping the tents and the migrants. Governor Hochul has lied. She told all the elected officials, Democrats and Republicans, don't worry. If it happens, it won't happen for months. Meantime, they already signed the contracts. Plumbers, electricians, they're bringing the tents in. The workers are there, and we intend on stopping it. So tomorrow night, everybody's welcome to come out. It's right at the entrance to the Gil Hodges Bridge on your way over to the Irish Riviera. You can't miss it. 
uh, Gateway National Park, Floyd Bennett Field. There were thousands of last time. Uh, it will be Sid uh, Rosenberg who will be the MC. I'll be the Republican. Uh, you have uh, Assemblywoman uh, Williams, the Democrat. So it's going to be a bipartisan presentation from both Brooklyn and Queens. Now, uh, Curtis, real quick, explain to everybody how big this place is going to be. I was talking to Joanne Ariola, the New York City Councilwoman, whose district is adjacent. It's just over the bridge, as you know. Um, she was call- She's calling it a mega base camp. I mean, how big is this migrant shelter potentially going to be? It'll cover all of runway 19, which is the emergency runway should planes go awry. It could land a 747, a C-4 transport plane. Uh, it will house 7,500 single able bodied young men, illegals with nothing to do and nowhere to go. With a great view of the beach, uh, of the women in bikinis. We got to get an accounting. The other day they said 120,000 migrants came in. Uh, there's only 60,000 on the payroll now of New York City. I mean, what's the truth? What happened to the other city? Yeah, where are the other cities? Somebody, Curtis. Yes. Find out where we can find out the truth. <laughs> Well, That's Nancy, we Nancy will truth. find out that. She does the deep dive. My Ooh. wife, who's the e-attorney, she'll yeah, get the truth Where did the other 60,000 or whatever number it is go? You know? <laughs> they're here, Rita. They're yeah. here. Trust me. They're cooking the books. So they're where here. are they? Well, where Latimer, are they Latimer wanted them in Westchester County. Maybe they sent them to Westchester. Only to right. 400. They only sent 400 there. He wants them all. Right. Let's go. Rita, let's go to our next guest. We've got Victoria Coates, who is a former deputy national security advisor under President Trump. And Victoria, you know, we're talking about security issues, major issues. Before we move on to Iran, your thoughts about just how dangerous it is at the southern border right now. Look at what's going on in New York and around the country. Oh, Rita, John, it's good to be with you. This is such a, a just a gaping national security vulnerability for the United States. And it's fascinating to watch people like your fine mayor, Adams, you know, going after somebody like Governor Abbott in Texas, who's been contending with this problem now for whatever it's been, 33 months of the Biden administration with Texas, for example, just swamped with these migrants. They're they're doing things like, you know, forcing uh, mayors and local officials to remove the water barrier on the Rio Grande and then also saying they're going to try to implement some, it doesn't sound lawful for me, but some kind of rule that migrant families have to stay in Texas, that they're not allowed, you know, once they get into Texas, the Texas authorities aren't allowed to let them leave. And yeah, and by the way, Victoria, for, they won't do the remain in Mexico, but they're pushing for remain in Texas. Remain in Texas, 100 percent. And it's just, you know, this is so dangerous. We don't know who these people are. They're, I mean, we just had this guy close to where I live in Pennsylvania who was an illegal up from Brazil. He came through Puerto Rico. This is a whole nother uh, sort of immigration vulnerability we have coming through the island because they don't have, you know, ICE support, the proper support. And we've, we've hosted at Heritage delegations from Puerto Rico saying, help us, help us fix this. We don't want to be, you know, the conduit for bad you know, bad individuals to get into the United States illegally. We've got to get after this. Victoria, it's, uh, it's Judge Richard Weinberg. You're absolutely right. They talk about the southern border. They talk about the northern border. But nobody's paying pay attention to the breakdown of the Monroe Doctrine in terms of our national security or the fact that Puerto Rico is a conduit to get them into the states. No, and, and Judge, I just also say everybody was looking at uh, Chairman Kim in Moscow today with Putin. The other interesting visit that took place is Nick Madero, uh, Madero the uh, 
the island we may as well just call him the communist dictator of Venezuela is in Beijing meeting Xi today. And that's in our backyard. That's in our hemisphere. And, you know, th- we are taking absolutely no care of this. You'll be shocked to learn the vice president who's supposed to be in charge of these issues has not done anything to consolidate our position in the Western hemisphere and keep our enemies out. Victoria, uh, people want to know, the American people want to know what the heck is going on in New Mexico. I understand uh, the uh, governor has made an edict. Uh, t- tell, tell the American people what's going on. Now this, this is also just unspeakably outrageous. And I might take a t- slightly different angle on this. This is the governor of New Mexico banning uh, carrying a firearm in Albuquerque on the grounds that there's been a rash <laughs> of of gun violence in the capital of New Mexico, or not, I'm sorry, Santa Fe is the capital, but one of the largest uh, cities in, in New Mexico. And, you know, being from Philadelphia, and I certainly sympathize with, with these acts of gun violence, but I don't see how this kind of ban on law-abiding rightful gun owners is going to help you with criminals who have illegally uh, acquired guns committing crimes. And, and now the attorney rich, general yeah. is going after her too? They're both oh, Democrats? Democrats? Yeah, Democrats are going after her. I mean, this is such an unbelievable power grab. And it's, it's what has been, I think, encouraged by the Biden administration and the kind of emergency powers they invoked during COVID, that now these governors think they can do this. Well, that's exactly, minute, that's exactly right. You know, and this attorney general has told his governor, you didn't consult with me. And you want me to uh, enforce this against any challenges, and I'm not going to do it because you acted unconstitutionally. Good for him. Well, and, and think, at the same time, we are hearing from the Biden administration that the gun charge against Hunter Biden, uh, which is that he, as a crack-smoking you know, criminal, lied on his application to have a gun. We hear, oh, this is not a very big deal. He only had it for a week. It was never loaded. So, oh, it's fine for somebody like Hunter Biden to commit a crime in terms of fraudulently getting a gun. And by the grace of God, that thing wasn't discharged in some kind of accidental situation that could have taken a life. But yet the law abiding citizens of New Mexico, oh, they can't possibly be trusted with guns. And uh, Victoria, before we let you go, I want to ask you about Iran because everybody's talking about this deal, uh, the secret deal for six billion dollars. The president, the leader of Iran, just came out a little bit ago and said we can do whatever we want with the money on September 11th. Yeah, on September 11th. Ah, I mean to give on, on that that very solemn and sacred anniversary. And I know you you all are New Yorkers, and they also, of course, flew a plane into my state of Pennsylvania into the Pentagon where my former boss. Don Rumsfeld was that day, so you know, it's a little hard not to take this personally, that they'd give $6 million to the world's largest state sponsor of terrorism on that day. And I'm just over from, from the Congress where I was testifying at the first House Oversight Subcommittee meeting on Iran that we've had uh, in the Biden administration. And it's why it's so important to have that majority in Congress. And we could at least start asking questions. Okay, you swap five, five Iranians for five Americans. Why do they get $6 billion on top of it? It's crazy. It's crazy. I remember, I remember the pallets full of $100 bills going into the 747s. No, it wasn't $100 bills because they, that President Obama wanted to get around the law. 
It was pounds. It was Swiss. Uh, yeah, it was the European uh, money, right? Yeah, and, yeah. And, yeah, because he needed Congress's permission to do dollars. So and instead they, of doing dollars, they they conned Congress and and and, and did it with uh, uh, pounds, euros, and uh, whatever. Yeah, know, and in the middle of the Swiss. night, too. And remember, John, they didn't admit to it. I mean, Somebody it, saw it, it later. This, you know, our country is going to have the other. The other key thing there, John, is that broke down to a little more than 400,000 per hostage in the pallets of cash. Yeah. Instance. This was 1.2 billion. Yeah. This is the biggest ransom. No, this is stupid. This uh, is stupid. The they, 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 you know, if they need money, they're going to go out and take another hostage. Victoria Coates, thank you so much, and God thank bless you, you, and thank you for everything you do for our country. Let's go to a break, and when we come back, we got Nicole Mayotakis. They want to take the migrants and give them voting powers. Let's see what comes back. A common sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katz and Rita Cosby. Katz and Cosby on 77 WABC. And we're back here on Katz and Cosby. And there is a big effort uh, led by New York State to try to get the migrants that are here to work, to get the work permits. A lot of people believe it's ultimately to get the votes. Uh, joining us now to talk about all of this is Congresswoman Nicole Maliotakis, of course, of the great state of New York. Uh, Congresswoman, we love having you here. What do you make of the fact uh, that it looks like the governor is trying to almost sort of circumvent the federal process and really pushing hard, along with the mayor, uh, to try to get the migrants to work right away? What does that mean for us? Yeah, well, first of all, obviously, it would be uh, not acceptable, right, because the federal government is the one that authorizes work in this country. But in addition to that, uh, people may be listening, saying, well, let the migrants work so they can support themselves. This is the issue that people need to know about. The mayor, um, as as I've said previously on this show, um, allowed a law to go into effect that was passed under Bill de Blasio by the city council. Uh, that would allow non, non-citizens to vote in municipal elections if they reside in New York City for 30 days and they have work authorization. And so this could be the state's attempt uh, to grant them work authorization. So they so get they vote. So they can vote. To vote. Uh, it's very important that people know that this is happening, that this is out there. Uh, I am suing to stop that law from taking effect. Well, otherwise, uh, some of the people authorizing the migrants to say, uh, uh, vote for us, we're going to give you three turkeys in every pot. Yeah. Well, look, it's certainly an incentive, right, for more people to come to New York City. There's no doubt about it. And the people who sponsored that law are the city council members, people like Justin Brannon in Brooklyn and others, who worked with Bill de Blasio to jam that through in late December when Bill de Blasio was walking out the door. Eric Adams had the opportunity to veto it, and he didn't. He let the bill go through, which is why we are now suing to stop it. And, and Nicole, this is Pete King. Isn't this totally counterproductive to be giving work visas to illegal immigrants? That's just more of a magnet for them to come in here. Yeah, but this is exactly what our mayor and our governor have been doing, right? Just continuing to incentivize. The, may- the governor has gone so far as to urge the federal government to allow for them to receive Section 8. Could you imagine something that we have veterans, we have domestic violence victims who have been waiting years on a list to receive Section 8 uh, housing, and 
year, the governor wants to just cut the line, allow for people who just walked into our country to receive this benefit. Um, it's wrong, but this is what they are doing. They also yeah. are allowing for them to receive free college tuition. Look, if you're a, a family that earns, let's say, $150,000 a year and you're struggling to put three kids through college, here's the governor coming along saying, well, if you're in the country illegally, you, know, you can qualify for free college tuition. This should anger every single taxpayer. Thomas Roman, I say to everybody, you know what I say to everybody? Let's take care of the American poor before yeah. we worry about the rest of the world. And, you know, these, and Washington is forcing these people upon us. There's American poor that are living in the streets and we're not taking care of them. That's right, John. And, and, and that is really what my effort has been this entire time was to get some cooperation from Chuck Schumer to secure the border. We passed H.R. 2 in the House. Uh, we passed that in May. Chuck Schumer won't even mention this crisis that the mayor says is destroying his city. Um, it's very concerning. But what we're going to do is we're going to continue to use our uh, our leverage in the appropriations process coming up to try to uh, get the senator to, the Senate to actually take some action to secure the border. That is top among House Republicans' agenda for the next month. Um, but we really need the mayor to stop. I mean, all we shelter. need now. Give me. Uh, we got a minute left or so. Give me an analysis. What the hell happened in Queens yesterday? Uh, uh, Curtis tried to tell us his analysis. What's yours? Look, I think at the end of the day, uh, Whitestone came out huge. There were certain pockets. The Greek community came out huge uh, for, for Hirsch, and that was good news for him. Unfortunately, he lost Kew Gardens, uh, and that was troublesome. I, found, I think he did very well among the Asian community. I understand he did very well among even Hispanics, uh, Hirsch. But for some reason, he lost the, uh, the Jewish population in Kew Gardens. And so I, I would say that you know, all these problems that we're experiencing in this city, um, you know, you're asking for your community to have another shelter. You're asking for crime to continue to go up if you continue to support the Democrats who are embracing these policies. So, you know, it's really sad. They say elections have consequences. Uh, this was a real opportunity for the borough of Queens to say they had enough of what's going on. But instead, they sent the opposite message that Kew Gardens and Queens, uh, certain parts at least, will accept more shelters, more crime, and more problems created. Nicole, we have 30 party. seconds left. What do you want to tell all Americans and all New Yorkers? Because I'm mad as heck right now. And, you know, you got 51 city council seats coming up in seven weeks. Well, that's right. And, and the one that really can should be defeated is Justin Brannon in Brooklyn. He overlaps with my congressional district. Here's a guy that sponsored non-citizen voting. He voted to defund the police by a billion dollars. Uh, he supports closing Rikers Island and building a jail in Brooklyn. He is being challenged by Ari Kagan, another sitting council member. Who, they happen to be redistricted together, and that is the areas of Bay Ridge, uh, ben Bensonhurst, Bath, no, I'm sorry, Bay Ridge, Bath Beach, Seagate, and Coney Island. Uh, this seat can be flipped red, and we need it to be flipped red. Well, keep, keep, yelling, keep yelling and screaming, and we're going to have the big bugle go out. Yeah, Thank people you need so to much. get out and vote, John. You know, you, you brought people up the People have to get out and vote. John. We're going to remind them over the next seven weeks, we're going to remind yes. them every day. And, John, the last one you just talked about, we're talking about 200 votes. 200 votes made the difference. Are you kidding me? That people yeah. need to get out. Thank you, Nicole Mayotakis, and come uh, out and vote. Keep fighting for our country and our city. Thank you so much. Yep, if you don't vote, you can't complain. Exactly. Thank you, Nicole, now, so much. Now, oil is up to ninety-two dollars a, uh, a barrel. Well, they said inflation is inching up. 
Well, folks, you haven't seen anything yet. Well, you know what happened? Russia cut their oil production. Uh, OPEC nations cut their oil production. And how come the president goes to, uh, to Alaska and cuts their oil production instead of increasing it? With us today is uh, Bert Flickinger, a consumer expert. Uh, Bert Flickinger, where the hell... Where the heck is uh, food prices going? I think they're going to go higher. John, the American consumers mad as hell, as you said. The USDA is predicting that food prices at home will go up 5% the rest of this total year, away from home 7%. Food prices, John, last two and a half years, up over 20%. Rent prices up over 20%. Gasoline prices up even higher. Over 60% of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck and have 17000 per household in credit card debt that they can't pay, that they're paying record amounts of interest on. And uh, poor people are having their wages cut. Walmart cut wages by $0.40 cents an hour two days ago. And uh, U.S. Department of Labor's uh, said last month, Americans' average hourly earnings declined one-half of 1%. There's nowhere to go. And, John, with all this retail crime, you and Reader are reporting uh, with Judge Weinberg and your good team, with retail crime, it's closing stores, shopping centers, and shopping malls whose commercial real estate taxes pay for 60% typically of the public school education, grades K through 12. And with crime closing the stores, it's going to crush local, state, and federal budgets, and it's going to crush the U.S. education system on a, on a public school basis. Well, here's your problem, Bert. Sundown now is going to be, you know, uh, after 7 o'clock at night. People, New York City residents are scared to walk around in the dark. The restaurants are going to do less business. Uh, the drugstores, less business, the supermarkets, less business. You tell us. John, you're completely correct. And I just got back from Goldman Sachs's uh, global CEO retail conference. Everybody from uh, Neiman Marcus uh, Bergdorf to Dollar General was talking about theft, uh, the increase in crime. And as you said, uh, with shorter hours of daylight during the winter, crime's going to increase. Revenues will decrease. Uh, the pu- public taxes will decrease, and it's going to create a financial crisis of unprecedented proportions. Potentially, New York City, as you and Larry Kudlow and Rita have predicted, uh, could face a potential bankruptcy like we did in the 70s when you and Hugh Carey and Felix Rowayton Ro- uh, heroically saved uh, New York City from bankruptcy. And now it could be New York City and the state facing bankruptcy from a combination of crime, inflation, and not enough revenue and uh, budget prices at all-time highs and going higher every day. And, you know, uh, everybody, we're talking to consumer expert Bert Flickinger. The other thing, too, um, as we're talking about crime, there may be less officers, less overtime. They're talking about scaling back on city services in the middle of all of this. It's not the time to be scaling back on our police, I don't think, any time. And a lot of them are saying, forget it. Um, Bert, um, uh, we have uh, Judge Weinberg has a question for you. And, Bert, what do you think the impact of this proposal of congestion pricing is going to do to the city's economy? Judge uh, Weinberg, exactly what you, John, and Rita have predicted. It's uh, going to uh, take the slow growth of the New York City economy 
and shifted into stall speed and, and ultimately a, a, a crash and a, a reverse. So we'll have negative numbers and well-intentioned ideas uh, untested will lead to really regrettable consequences, and it's going to hurt uh, restaurants, employment. It's it's going to hurt entrepreneurs, independent businesses. It's going to hurt the neighborhoods, and it's going to increase crime. It's, uh, there are fewer people on the streets and, and fewer people looking out for one another, and as you cited so well, uh, fewer people with FIDA, fewer people from uh, law enforcement and on the public payroll uh, looking out to protect citizens across New York and across America. And, Bert, I have to say that. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Bert Flickinger. We love you. We love you. Happy, happy birthday, birthday to you. I hope you're celebrating John, happy tonight. Happy birthday week and you, Margo, and family, and Rita and your entire ABC team with Matt Wanning and uh, Chad Lopez are always fantastic. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you so much. Thank you for birthday. joining us. Happy birthday, And we got uh, some breaking news now? Yeah, now we have uh, word that. Breaking news, WABC. That uh, a federal judge is blocking the suspension right. of the right to carry firearms in public, which is ordered by New Mexico Governor. Judge, your your comment on that. The, this governor is totally off her rocker. She has no right to do that under the, the state constitution of New Mexico. She has no right to do this under the United States Constitution, the Second Amendment. Her own attorney general, another Democrat, has said she's acting unconstitutionally. There's no way that this would ever be allowed. Second you, Amendment, you know. Well, I mean, and you can't just say it's a public emergency and do whatever you want and supersede constitutional rights. Judge, even strong liberal Democrats like Ted Lieu, the congressman from California, who was ultra-left, he's come out and denounced it. Yeah, because they know it's such a slippery slope. Wow. And what would it accomplish anyway, as pointed out by, uh, by Victoria Coates earlier, so you take the guns away from the law-abiding people, which is a disincentive against the bad guys. So the only people walking around with guns are the lawbreakers. So how does that make anybody safer? Well, let's take a break. And when we come back, we're going to come back with Christopher, Congressman Christopher Smith from New Jersey. Great guy. Great guy. And I know he wants to talk about migrants, but ask him about the whales. Who's killing our whales? Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. You're commuting home with Katz and Cosby. Now, here's John Katz and Matidis and Rita Cosby on 77 WABC. And we are back here on Katz and Cosby. We are talking about the migrant crisis. And, you know, one of the things that a lot of people are saying, oh, well, you know what? We have to hurry up and get them to work. We have to do this. We have to give them the freebies. We got to do all that other stuff. Uh, no one has really been talking about the 80,000 plus missing migrant kids that are literally missing. The Biden administration came out with a report that they were missing that many migrant kids in America. And our next guest, uh, has some great details on that and also his efforts to try to track them down to make sure that they are safe. Uh, cause you can imagine what's going on with drug trafficking and human trafficking. Joining us now is 
Congressman Christopher Smith of New Jersey. Congressman, thank you so much for being back with us. Uh, this is such a important story. Uh, what happened? Do we know what's going on? I mean, we're talking, it's like 80, 90,000 at least missing kids, right? We invite you to check for a second, Chris. This is Pete King. Just want to congratulate you and all you're doing and just keep doing it. You're the best down there. Congressman, are you there? Congressman, call us back. Uh, I'm not sure we're, we're working on some stuff. Maybe it was, maybe it was the compliment, Pete. He was like, you couldn't take it anymore. <laughs> Where do you go from there after you get the compliment from so you all, like all that? Downhill. It's all, all downhill. It's all downhill. Uh, we're working on getting that back. But you know what's amazing is, is this number, you guys, in terms of how many, uh, are missing. And, and we have no idea. And you hear is these that, horrible stories really, of what's that, happening. Is that not the very definition of humanitarian crisis? Okay, it is. Exactly. Exactly. Let's go. Now we've got the congressman back. Congressman Smith, your thoughts about these missing kids that you're trying to track down? Well, frankly, John, it's outrageous that the administration, you know, I had asked the, the ambassador at large for trafficking, a position I created because I wrote the law, Trafficking Victims Protection Act of 2000, and they didn't know. Where are the 85,000 kids? Who did you give them to? Uh, it is, and they, they could, some or many, I hope not all, I hope not any, uh, could have been put into a trafficking situation, labor or sex trafficking. And it is, it is I think it's, it's cruel that they have been so lackadaisical and so unresponsive to requests. Uh, what are you doing to, for welfare and whereabouts? So our bill is really a serious attempt to say, that's it. You've got to tell us where they are and what you're doing to track them down and, if necessary, rescue them. You know, that's an amazing number, too. I mean, that is just an astounding number. What, what oh, do you true. think has happened to them? Well, I, I'm very concerned that, you know, people could, you know, when you do an adoption, and we all know this, they do home studies, they do background checks, there's all kinds of vetting to ensure uh, that the adoptive parents are who they say they are and don't pose a threat that can be ascertained. Well, in this case, people come forward and say, yeah, I'm the uncle. Uh, and who knows what kind of real documentation is required and when they admit that there's 85,000 missing unaccompanied children uh, who have potentially been put into a horrible situation of being sexually uh, accosted and, 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 and raped, uh, we need to stand up and say enough is enough. So, you know, I remember talking to the president of Guatemala who told me that 80 percent of all the women and young girls coming up from his country um, were sexually assaulted somewhere along the route. Wow. I mean, it's astounding. And, and uh, once they get here, there are, we know, predators who will do all they can to, to abuse a child. And sex trafficking rings are on the rise, not decline. And I'm the one who wrote the law on it, so I follow it all the time. And uh, so tomorrow's meeting will have, you know, uh, uh, you know and it, it'll be a serious attempt. Tim Ballard, as you know, is testifying, who is the, he's portrayed in Sound of Freedom uh, by Jim Caviezel. And Tim Ballard is a hero. Uh, he's put his life on the line time and again, including in the, you know, the situation that's recounted in that tremendous movie, Sound of Freedom. Uh, and, you know, he's saying enough is enough. We're all saying it. Why is this administration so tone deaf to the welfare and whereabouts of so many children? And it could be more than 85,000. That's the numbers that they will admit to over at Health and Human Services about who've gone missing and they have no contact with. Hey, Chris, this is Pete King. First of all, congratulations. Hey, Pete, how are you? I'm doing great, Chris. Again, thanks for all the great work you do down there. Thank you, Pete. No one's done more in human rights and uh, 
stopping uh, sexual trafficking in you. And sometimes you're a lone voice out there. So I really give you credit. How does it look now? Are you, are you able to generate support? Are people looking the other way? Do they want to face uh, well, the issue or not? Uh, well, Kevin McCarthy has made it very clear that he's supportive. He actually had the Sound of Freedom and had a premiere right on Capitol Hill. And a lot of members, uh, you know, were in tears at the end of the movie, as was I and my wife. Uh, and that, that was the second time I had seen it. It's just so moving. Uh, but no, we've got great support on the Republican side. We're trying to get Democrats to join us. And if it means criticizing Biden, so be it. The kids are worth it. Um, you know, how dare everyone look askance and say, well, uh, not much we can do there. And I think the audience should remember, Pete, that you're the one who wrote the Secure Fence Act of 2006. Right. Yeah. Uh, and if you look at that, and I've reread the bill a few times since, I used it in one of my debates during a campaign. I said, even Hillary and um, uh, what's his name? Uh, the majority leader on the Senate side, Schumer, voted for it. Eighty right. senators voted for it, but you wrote it. And what a great bill! It, 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 it had that been followed and not been disrupted by the Obama administration, and then sadly by the progressives today, um, we would not have this crisis of exploitation. And the cartels are buying and selling women and children like commodities. Thank you for saying that. You know. The- the administration here in New York, the mayor says Congress hasn't done its job. We passed that law 17 you, years you ago. You did it. You're the it guy. You, you wrote yeah. it. And, and you know, and I, I've, I've said to so many of my colleagues, Pete King is a hero in the legislative area because he's the guy that did it. And what a what a what a tremendous law that is. Uh, Judge Weinberg, you've got a question for uh, Congressman Chris Smith. Congressman, so Judge Richard Weinberg, so good to talk to you again. Well, Judge, nice to talk to you. How are you? So what also concerns me is that the gangs use these young kids for recruitment purposes. They intimidate the kids, they threaten them, they kill them when they won't join the gangs. That's been the experience here in New York, particularly with MS-13. What do you say about that? So it's not just a sexual trafficking. Great point, Judge. It's an engraved invitation, frankly, for the gangs to recruit new people. We've had gangs in my district, too. When I had the city of Trenton, we had a number of gangs, El Salvadorians, like you mentioned, uh, others from Honduras. Uh, and 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 the women were being sold into slavery. Some were rescued, thankfully, uh, and repatriated with their parents. But uh, these are young girls now. Uh, but you're right. The gangs use this. They see these new kids coming up. Uh, they're malleable and they're forced into it. You know, the gangs use unbelievably coercive methods. You know it better than anybody uh, in order to get these kids to join and uh, join. It's not join. You just put into it. You're impressed into service. And so why are we allowing that? <laughs> And all the crime that they will commit, having had their lives completely turned upside down. Uh, I mean, Biden, you know, they talk about impeachment for all the things he's done, you know, opening up those those articles of, uh, you know, the inquiry. Uh, I think for what he's done vis-a-vis children at the border and women and other vulnerable people uh, is an atrocity. And uh, we just have about 30 seconds left, sure. Congressman. I got to ask you, because last time you came on, you talked about the whales. Uh, real yes. quick, uh, what's the latest with that? We've had a lot of people talking about some of the disruptions, obviously, sure. with these windmill constructions. Well, my hope is that they are disrupted to the point of total defeat. I have gotten two bills passed in the House. One of them has led to the, the um, uh, GAO study to look at about 10 indices, including the whales, the evisceration of the environment below the water. Uh, but the other area that I have focused on that I got another one passed last week, uh, last month on the FAA, these windmills will totally disrupt radar and sonar, making our jets, making our planes, everything on the water 
including underwater, um, confused. And I'm talking about, you know, people seeing things on blips that aren't there. Uh, and there was a National Academy of Sciences uh, study done uh, in 2022, just two, a year ago. That was devastating. It says it will degrade and weaken our radars. 3,400 of these monstrosities, the size of the size of the Chrysler building, with the each blade the size of a football field counting wow. the end zones. I mean, it's it's like, and it will disrupt. It'll make us vulnerable to adversaries, including you know Xi Jinping in China, and just had another hearing on his atrocities. Yesterday, uh, well, keep us Commission. keep us posted, please, Congressman. Thank you so much for please, being yes, with thank us. You. Thank, thank you, Chris. you so much. And now we got some breaking news. Breaking news, WABC. And joining us now with some big breaking news is the founder of Just the News, great investigative journalist John Solomon. Uh, John, you had a big scoop tied to Hunter Biden. Fill us in. Yes, the IRS whistleblower, Gary Shapley, who testified a couple months ago today, we obtained his handwritten notes from his last meeting with David Weiss, the special prosecutor in the Hunter Biden case. Those notes clearly quote the prosecutor as saying he's not, quote, not the deciding person on whether Hunter Biden gets criminal charges. Those notes directly undercut all the representations that Weiss has made. These are notes of a meeting in which seven different participants were present, all the agents working the case. Uh, the first time we've ever seen these notes resonating a lot across Washington today. David Weiss, a lot more explaining he's going to have to do if he ever gets before Congress. Well, I, the only thing I would say on that, uh, John, is that at the time uh, he wrote those notes, uh, he wasn't a special prosecutor. That's right. Yep. But he claimed he's claimed all from the beginning that he had the sole authority. He didn't have to get that. What these notes show is, in fact, he was turned down for the permission to bring charges in D.C., and then he went and asked for permission to be named a special prosecutor, and DOJ turned him down saying, follow the process. So he, you even see in these notes an attempt by Weiss to become a special prosecutor. He gets turned down, and then he decides he's going to drop the 2014-2015 tax charges, which were the most serious ones that Hunter Biden could have faced. Um, really remarkable uh, testimony notes, and they really validate the testimony those two whistleblowers gave a few months ago. The other big story I saw today is New Hampshire says uh, to the Democratic <laughs> National Committee, we're going to do things our way. I think they said yes. it a little more uh, abruptly. There's no <laughs> doubt about it. It's absolutely true. He, New Hampshire is a, uh, a state that prides itself on independence. It prides itself on being the nation's first primary. And uh, today, they made very clear that they're not going to listen to the DNC. They're not going to get bumped out of first place in the in the primary order. And also, they're disinterested in taking Donald Trump off the ballot. Two very big um, developments and a big rebuff of the DNC, which is um, not having a good month. It's been a tough month for Democrats. So Robert Kennedy will probably be uh, on the ballot uh, with uh, Joe Biden. Yeah, and I think also uh, he'll probably do well there being a favored son of Massachusetts, which isn't far away. We'll see. But that could be a state where Robert Kennedy gets a little momentum. Uh, He's been kind of in that 10 to 15 percent range. But if uh, he were to get a good showing in New Hampshire, it's something that he could build a little bit of momentum for his campaign on. You know, I want to ask you, uh, John, about uh, James Comer kind of gave a big hint. um, And you always get these great scoops. This is sort of tied again to all the Biden investigation with the impeachment inquiry now uh, that we know is being launched by the committees. He said that he has leads on tracing $10 million of potential bribe to Biden uh, that Biden allegedly accepted. Um, 
that, and he kind of made it sound like he's going to have some hard evidence that he kind of is following the money trail. Uh, that sounded a lot more specific. He really teased everybody. What do you know? Yes. Um, I have to be a little careful here because I don't want to uh, violate any of my source reporting. But um, I will say that there is a series of bank records that show a $10 million transfer at a very critical time in Burisma's history, in the Burisma-Biden narrative. It hasn't been corroborated yet, but there is a very clear set of documents that congressional investigators are aware of that I'm aware of. We're doing our due diligence. We don't have proof of it being related to the Bidens yet, but it matches a time frame and a set of transactions that the FBI informant had uh, made those allegations to the FBI in 2020. So uh, stay tuned. We got to do a lot more due diligence, but I know exactly what they're looking at. We're looking at it. Uh, to date, we're just getting started. It's a little bit hard sometimes to confirm bank records that are eight years old, nine years old, but we're working on it. Well, I like to see one thing that's really, you know, uh, solid. I mean, so far right now, uh, the Democratic uh, Party is saying it's all uh, BS and uh, uh, right. there's no records of ex- an exact transfer of money to the president. And, that's right. Uh, we'll see. Uh, next, uh, la- last item. Mitt Romney. Is that the end of the <laughs> Mitt Romney era? Or is it Mitt Romney maybe so. in a third party? Let me throw that out. Is there something else for Mitt Romney? Yeah, that'd be interesting. I think Mitt Romney may be moving towards retirement. Obviously, a, a colorful character, oversaw the Salt Lake City Olympics, became a uh, Massachusetts governor, was the architect of what later became known as Obamacare, uh, became a senator, became an arch enemy of Donald Trump, and uh, ultimately, that battle with Donald Trump weakened his standing in Utah. It was pretty clear he would have a very difficult time running, even in the primary. And today he packed it in. My guess tells me that he's probably going to take some time off from politics. It's like Mitt Romney can't win re-election and uh, uh, our friend uh, Joe Manchin can't win in uh, West Virginia. So Great point. Either, either retire or do something uh, different. That's exactly right. Well, uh, John Solomon, uh, anything else? We've got 30 seconds left. Uh, keep an eye on the polling numbers on the Republican primary. You're starting to see a lot of polls all pointing the same 40 to 50 point lead for Donald Trump. That None of the other candidates, despite you know a strong debate, are making moves up in the polls. Uh, that could create become a self-fulfilling prophecy pretty soon. A lot of pollsters are starting to be resigned to the fact that Donald Trump is likely to win the nomination. Yeah, wow, it's going to be interesting. Well, unless unless some federal judge says report to right. prison or whatever. That's why when when, when the news uh, people call me, you know what I say? Look, I think Donald Trump uh, uh, is going to win the nomination, but uh, let things sort themselves out. Well, and he might yeah. even run for more areas, John. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, There's a John lot of Sol- history that I fear is going to play out the next six months. <laughs> yeah, it is not going to be boring. John Solomon, thank you. We love having you Great here on the show. With you. God thank bless. You. And everybody, after the break, we have pollster Doug Schoen with some big news. You want to stay tuned. It's a common sense recap of the big stories. It's Cats and Cosby on 77 WABC. And we are back on Cats and Cosby. Well, President Biden's probably favorite columnist, uh, the Washington Post, David Ignatius, dropped a bombshell uh, saying that President Joe Biden should not run for reelection in 2024. And Kamala Harris is a huge liability, too. Again, this is the president's favorite columnist. That's not good. Uh, joining us now, 
is the great pollster Doug Schoen. Uh, Doug, your reaction, it's sort of this continued uh, drip, 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 even from the Democrats saying he shouldn't run. But the fact that David Ignatius is saying it, everyone's going, whoa, he was like the biggest cheerleader. Yeah, and I think you're right. I think the narrative, as you're suggesting, Rita, has changed in recent weeks, certainly in the last couple of months, from Biden will run, he's somewhat impaired, but he'll beat Trump, to, um, you know, uh, Donald Trump could beat Joe Biden. And I'm really not sure, per the polls, that Joe Biden's up to the job uh, now or certainly in the future. So this is a sea change, Rita. And the fact that he took out, he, Ignatius, took out after Kamala Harris, read to me like he's looking for a clean sweep, something that'll be unprecedented. Yeah, and he's saying hurry up and do it now because there's not a lot of time. Judge Weinberg. Doug, it's Richard Weinberg. Welcome back to the show. Let me ask you this question. So let's say they're able to, to get Biden and Harris out of there. Who do they replace them with? Who comes up as a credible candidate for the presidency and the vice presidency of the United States on a Democratic slate? This is a big deal. I think that uh, the fact that Ignatius, as I was saying, wants both Kamala and Joe not to run suggests the possibility of a clean sweep for the Democrats, something that might be unprecedented. So the judge is asking who's who's the backup then? We don't know. I mean, I'd. If I had to bet, I'd say Gavin Newsom is the big beneficiary of this column. But, you know, this is really impossible to assess or determine what will be the implications of this. And I don't think Kamala Harris is going to go quietly. I don't think David Ignatius is going to tell the sitting vice president not to run and not to serve if, in fact, Joe Biden proves unable or unwilling to do both. Doug, this is Pete King. Do you think Ignatius, I have a great respect for him as a columnist, and as a real pro, would he have done this entirely on his own, or do you think there's now a concerted effort among, let's say, elder statesmen or uh, you know, leaders of the Democratic Party to give Joe Biden the hint? You know, it's a very good question, Pete. I suspect, and I've known David since school, um, that he would not have written this if he had been hearing this widely in the circles he travels in. And I can tell you, Pete, those are only Democratic circles. He does not talk to anyone other than uh, liberal Democrats. And, uh, Doug, we're losing you a little bit, but real quick, where do you think all this impeachment uh, inquiry goes and the effect that that could have on the president uh, and the ticket? Pete, uh, we're losing you again there. Pete, I think we dropped off. Uh, Doug dropped off again. Where do you think it's going? I think first of all, the judge is behind all this. Uh, I do, too. Because, you know, it's every time it's like he's hanging on the cl- he's, it's cliffhangers I think, I, I think Kevin McCarthy's handling it the right way. There are not enough votes right now for impeachment. So by uh, ordering this inquiry without a vote, he's uh, enabling Republicans to get the evidence. When people like Matt Gates call for a vote, there's a vote Republicans are going to lose. And that ends impeachment, and Biden's off the hook. Yeah, he knows so he doesn't have the votes right now. Right, he knows enough. that. Uh, but, real quick, Judge. But he can use this right. this vehicle to get the truth out about the relationship and the influence peddling scam. Yeah, let's see where the records go. What let's does John see what say comes about out. truth? Yeah, let, truth. And, and what do we stand for, guys? Truth, truth justice, justice, in the American, American way. way. <laughs> Good night, everybody.